0: Hi, this is Neil Morton, you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Jerry from The Misfits, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Oh!
1: Welcome to episode 348 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 348, we are all over the map once again. We have joining us uh, for the second time on the history of the show, we have Neil Morris, uh, formerly of uh, Transatlantic, Spock's beard, uh, and now obviously the Neil Morris band is going to be doing a show on the 20th of pittsburgh or 20th of august in pittsburgh we also have joining us uh, a newer band that we're going to introduce you to from dover delaware called awake at last and we're going to talk to cheetah chrome of a punk band um many of you might have remember from the 70s called dead boys they were out of cleveland ohio so kind of going in the uh, Progressive and punk, two opposite ends of the spectrum. So, we're going to play a song now from the Neil Morris Band. This is from their latest album. This song is called City of Destruction. I can get into that interview with Neil Morris. Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to the show we have Neil Morris of the Neil Morris Band on the line. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I am doing very well. You are coming into our fine city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to do a show at uh, Mr. Smalls on the 20th of August. Um, wanted to get a chance to get you on the show. Uh, we're, we're big fans of Prague music. Um, can we start with the success of similitude of a dream of the latest album which came out of was it november of last year i believe
0: yeah that's right mm-hmm. talk, november
1: a little, 11th. talk a little bit about what went into you know a pretty massive piece of work um can you can you just give us a little bit on that
0: oh well you know yeah it's an epic and it really surprised all of us i think um Sometimes the creative process is just full of surprises. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll start off and you're not even sure if you've really even got anything. You know, you feel some inspiration. And it's like, ah, oh, that's pretty good. Um, That's how it started for me. I just kind of were, I was plunking out some ideas on the piano and felt like I needed some direction. And I remembered that somebody on the internet had suggested that we write, uh, a prog concept album based on the book Pilgrim's Progress which is an old uh, book from the 1600s and I never read the book and I didn't own a copy but it came to my mind so I googled the spark notes Mm -hmm. and looked at the plot overview and and uh, just kind of started just going well what would that sound like okay so he's in the city of destruction what would that sound like and then he's leaving and he's starting on this journey and he meets this guy you know or he meets all these characters and and it was really it wound up being really fun uh once i once i got into it and then once the band got to it when we started working on it together then it you know just shot off to into space into this whole new level, it, it's it's just amazing, what an amazing band, and I think it's an amazing piece of work, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly. I, I don't, want, you know, it, I hate to label something as maybe a high water mark, but I mean, certainly the material of yours I've listened to over the years, you know, to me it really does stand out as kind of a, you know, a, a real groundbreaking album. Um, did, was it, you know, as a songwriter when, when you're Trying to get in the headspace of a concept album, I've always, you know, kind of wished you could pick the minds of, you know, the guys in Pink Floyd or Jeff Tate or whom, you know, people who write these kinds of albums. Is it easier to have sort of a plot laid out in front of you in this case as opposed to trying to come up with, you know, 12, 13 somewhat consistent sonic songs to make up an album? Which, which is easier for you? I mean, do you feel. Handcuffed by this, or is it kind of freeing not to have to worry about you know what you're going to sing about?
0: Well, it can work both ways, actually. You know, sometimes I like to do both. You know, I, I, it, sometimes it's really if you feel it's just a matter of what you're inspired with and what mm-hmm. what the where the creative flow is. You know, um, as we were working on Pilgrim's Progress and. When the flow began happening, then it was a great assistance to have this story mm. to work from. Many times we would come up to a place almost like, you know, like, a, like if you were traveling, you come up to this hilltop and you're like, well, which way should we go now? Right. You know? And, uh, and we, we could, we, we had the, the book to refer to. We could look at the book and, well, this is what happens with the guy here. And maybe if we weren't inspired by that, we, we could look at the next thing that mm. he encounters. Yeah. You know, because we didn't go like chronologically in order and exactly with the book. It's uh, some of it's very directly from the book, but a lot of it is our interpretation and uh, putting a kind of a modern slant on it, and you know, trying to bring it uh, into our time. No. And I'm, then I love just freely associating and writing things freely, also. So it, it just depends on what's happening and, you know, what my mood is.
1: Now, is it, it maybe this is another kind of another angle because, you know, in 2016, you know, you don't have record companies probably in the same way, you know, a Queensryche did in the, you know, in the late 80s or a Pink Floyd in the 70s or, you know, some of the other great, you know, kind of concept albums. You don't have a record company maybe breathing down your neck for the hit single. Um, does that make it a little bit easier you know not to have to worry about you know you're you're able to worry more about telling the story and and you know doing the music justice as opposed to try to come up with a four and a half minute radio hit is that did you feel that any kind of pressure to have you know a single
0: no i we never have i i've never Mm -hmm. in my life (laughs) which is pretty amazing uh, in my entire career, I've never had any label leaning on me for anything. They pretty much just let me slash us do whatever we feel, and everybody's usually really happy with it. Yeah. I'll get some direction every once in some ideas from some guys sometimes. Mm-hmm. We used to get faxes back in the old days of Spock's beard uh, before email mm-hmm. but in the 90s, i would get these faxes after we would send them the masters and they would say very nice album where is heavy metal song <laughs>
2: exactly
0: <laughs> that, was, that was about all we ever got from yeah. you know, we, so I, i've been very fortunate that way to be able to just freely create and do whatever i feel so i've i consider it to be a great blessing yeah, it's
1: funny how, when when guys you know who've been in the, in the business as long as you have that they, they can say that how much happier they seem than than you know we get a you know guess who who maybe had the hit single in you know 1992 that you know blew the doors open and then you just have people beating on you forever to recreate that song and forever live they want you to play that song whether you know you can stand that song anymore or not. Um, yeah. But, you, know, you have I, little... I'm
0: very very grateful uh, to not be a heritage act is yeah. what I would call it you know, where yeah. you you're playing your newest stuff but you know you can feel you know we can feel the audience mm-hmm. you can tell they're kind of just waiting for whatever it is that you're known for right. you know and uh I, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse that I've never been really fully known for one thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm really grateful I never had a hit. I don't know. That, that sounds so funny. But, no, uh, I, I, can
1: I am imma- grateful. I can every imagine.
0: tour seems to be like you know it's people really want to hear the new thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think when you, awesome. when you lay out a new thing like you know your latest album, I, I you know that's I think what makes it. You know, really cool is that You know, you're not worried about, you know, playing cherry pie and you know those kind of songs from you know the the '90s. You can just go and make great music today. You know, and, and you're in a genre where I think people really still appreciate that. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, the the prog metal fans, you know, well, maybe not the largest demographic on earth, are certainly very loyal. Um, you know, as long as you're making intelligent music. You know, if you went out and did some three chord, you know, kind of poppy songs, there might be some backlash. Or they may love it. You never know. You know, that, that's.
0: Yeah, not... they're pretty open, man. And they are really dedicated. And the thing I love about the prog fans is their, their hearts and minds are really in the right place, meaning that they really. It's not a fashion show. It's not. Uh, you know, it's not about the, all the production. and You know, they they truly love the music, and they're yeah. all about it, and they'll travel, and they'll go to great lengths. I mean, they feel the same way about music that I do, you know, just yeah. really, really passionate about it. And it's great. Yeah, we have this really fresh album, and to be able to, you know, just get out there and play it for people that love it as much as we do. It's just a celebration, really. Yeah, yeah.
1: Really tremendous. Um, Live now in your your current you know touring show. um, Are you able to do the majority of the album, or are you kind of going back in the catalog and mixing it up, or how do you approach a set list?
0: We are doing the whole uh, the whole Similitude album. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we're. I think it's pretty well known. I don't think I'm letting any cats out of the bag. Yeah, we'll be doing the entire Similitude album, and this will be the last run that we'll be doing that. And um, so yeah, it's it's exciting and it's it's something that people should experience. I think it's uh, very unique. Yeah. We do uh, a lot of theatrical stuff. I'm doing costume changes and wearing some masks and things like that. And it's uh, it's a very unique show.
1: How is, is is that fun? I mean, as a vocalist, you know and. I- you know, I don't necessarily think of Neil Morris as his you know, kind of flashy costume singer, but is it is it kind of fun to be able to don that kind of role in this? It is. It's different.
0: It occurred to me, I think, two weeks before the first gig back in January, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I shouldn't do this just dressed in my normal clothing. Right. And I started to just prowl around on the internet and I just started ordering all this kind of tattered traveler stuff you know because that's that's kind of the vibe of this album of course you know we know he's a he, he's a traveler he's on a journey but I wanted to kind of bring it into a more modern space and so we brought this kind of tattered time traveler almost vibe to it and then mm-hmm. well I won't, I won't spoil any of the rest of it but I, there's there's just some minor uh, you know it's not too distracting I don't think but there's some props and things
1: that we use let me ask you this this is something as a, a hack musician myself uh, listening to your album you know I, I just listened to it a couple hours ago and it was you know how do you all keep track of what you should be playing I mean you, if I'm playing that music I got to have sheet music in front of me and someone turning the pages for me how do you keep track of all that stuff to do in a set musically?
0: Well, similitude plays itself. For me, I it it really flows. Uh, some albums have been more difficult for me to memorize than others. Mm-hmm. Similitude just was has not been a challenge, really. To, it's been challenging sometimes to play and perform it, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: not to remember what's coming.
1: Yeah. that's a great point you bring up about you know performing on stage one thing to you know sit in your living room with a you know keyboard or guitar or whatever but to then you know be on an audience and worry about you know the interaction you have with the audience and things like that you know i I would think it would be very easy to forget oh you know where's this solo go or you know what was this section going to be doing
0: Um, yeah every once in a while you know everybody spaces out and does something strange one of the shows i did we did in south america I guess I cut out the guitar solo in City of Destruction. I went straight from the second chorus into the bridge. I thought the band made a mistake. <laughs> I just completely <laughs> forgot about it. And I went straight I started singing the bridge and they just followed me. And... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, every once in a while you just space out and make some kind of mistake. But for the most part, we're... We're... a pretty tight outfit
1: what you gotta love there is the fan who realized it you know that you know you look out in the audience and there's one guy in the back with his arms folded with you know giving you this look like would you just ruin my favorite song you know who noticed you yeah. missed the guitar solo That's... I didn't realize
0: it till after the show I, I, I didn't realize it till like they told me in the dressing room hey you know you I was like really I thought you guys messed up <laughs> it was funny no, but no. yeah what a terrible thing to cut out the guitar solo in City of Destruction oh <laughs> Now, That's let me, one
1: of the best. now let me ask you um, Morse Fest um, You're going to be putting that out on I believe DVD and such And then you have another one coming up this year Can you talk a little bit about what, what that event is That's in Nashville, correct?
0: Yeah, it's in Nashville uh, It's five minutes from my house um, Yeah, uh, it's, we rent a big old venue And um, You know, we make a weekend of it It's a little bit like I don't know if you have heard of, like, um, Marillion does these kind of camps, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like they'll do a couple albums and also uh, do special events for the fans and, you know, like, play games and do Q&A. And it's like that. It's a hang. It's a whole, like, weekend experience. And um, some people have said it's kind of... Ours have, have become um, Kind of like a homecoming community thing You know, everybody's, everybody's friends Like, oh, is this guy from the UK coming? Or is that guy from Brazil coming? People come from all over the world And um, we're doing Testimony 2 And the Lost Epics on Friday night this, this year Which is uh, September 1st And then we're doing Similitude with Choir, Strings and Horns uh, we'll have choir strings and horns on the first night as well on Testimony too. Awesome. And um, so it's a full blown production with three video screens and special video stuff that's accompanying the music, uh, special encores. Nick DeVirgilio is coming and he's going to open the night with some very special music. And um, it's just a special weekend of uh, full blown. Pull out all the stops versions of these albums Okay And uh, if you want to check out some of the examples There's lots of stuff on YouTube From
1: past Morse Fests So you've got kind of Sort of a parrot head Gathering of sorts for, for your music That's awesome um,
0: so Yeah, oh and the tickets tickets Are available at radiantrecords.com
1: Okay um, yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask um, You know, A couple of years ago you did um uh, an album with a, another friend of the show and an amazing guitarist, Steve Morris um, Flying Colors, is that you guys ever talk about revisiting that or is it just a logistical nightmare to try to get that group of guys together again
0: yeah we have uh, we have an album halfway done um, actually yeah maybe, I don't know what percentage but we've we've <laughs> started one Uh, Last December it was And There just hasn't been any time uh, uh, Mainly because of Steve's schedule Uh, He's just He's out with Purple so much That um, Between Steve and Mike We haven't really been able to find any time But we hope to And we we came up with some really good stuff I think we have The makings of a great album And I'm hoping that we can Finish it and get it out in 2018.
1: With with bands, you know, obviously, I think you know it is always kind of humorous to watch. You know, how many times Mike's name shows up in different bands? I just saw something today with Bumblefoot and Billy Sheehan and and Mike. How far in advance yeah. do, you, do you guys kind of work these things out? You know, I'm always you know between the Winery Dogs and the this and the that. It, you know he's into a million things you've got a million things going on steve's got a million things and uh, how you know is there somewhere like you musicians have like a, a, a chat room where you all just kind of <laughs> lay this stuff out because you know the intertwinings of all these different bands has got to be you know a, a monster to try to schedule around
0: yeah well we just you know email each other and say hey when, you know it would be great to do this anybody feeling to get together mm-hmm.
1: It's one thing to say, okay, we're going to go and do a tour of, you know, South America in November. But I always marvel, and I know, with Black Country Communion, you know, that they had set aside, you know, a month or whatever it was to, to write and record an album. And that, that, to me, always seems like that would be so stressful to say, you know, we're going to get together and we're going to do this creative process and we have a very finite amount of time or we're going to have to shelf it. Um, do you feel, yeah. you know, that kind of pressure is, is healthy? You know, and obviously you're far superior musician than I. Is that inspiring, daunting, or how do you feel when you you, you have that kind of gun to your head?
0: I love that.
1: <laughs> that I, don't, the difference. I don't
0: feel like I have a gun to my head. I feel like, ah, oh, we have two weeks just laid aside for just music.
1: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> and why. creating
0: and writing with really gifted people and Oh yeah, that, I love that I mean, That's like one of my favorite parts um, It's a little more Pressurized when it comes time for me To do my actual Parts that are going to be on the album And I maybe mm-hmm. I have only have A certain amount of time I feel a little more pressure there But writing is a free thing for me You know uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it Most, Mostly what you're doing when you're getting together like that Is You want to write the thing and then, um, you know, get the drums and, and, and the bass down. I usually do my overdubbing later. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel that much pressure, as, maybe as much as the drummer might.
1: Now, how about, you know, the, the arranging that goes into, you know, when I listen to your music, and you know, obviously very complex. You've got, you know, two different keyboards going in a direction and guitars going all over the place. How much time is it, you know, is it something that one man arranges or are you able to, you know, the, the five of you stand in the room and actually do that sort of on the you know in a collective unit or does someone have to take charge how do you you get all that part of it
0: well sometimes it's a challenge you know when you don't there's times when you agree and there's times when you don't all agree Mm -hmm. and there could be a little pull and tug there you know and you have to sometimes you have to pick your battles pick the things that you really feel strongly about it depends on the group too right um, every group has a different dynamic. You know, there's the... I don't know, uh, there's the people that are going to be the more easygoing ones, and then there's the people that are going to be, you know, tougher to yeah. sway.
1: Right, type, <laughs> type A personality, certainly.
0: Yeah, you yeah. know, um, but most of the time it's great. Every uh, once in a while we really hit a wall not very often but we did with Similitude Mike and I really just batted heads pretty as bad as we ever have Mm -hmm. uh, during the making of Similitude he didn't want it to be a double and I felt like man it was going to have to be because we had so much more story to tell Mm -hmm. but um, and that's very well documented on the uh, the making of dvd that comes with the special edition of similitude mm-hmm. um he talks about it and i do as well it was it was pretty dramatic i have to say but uh you know we made our way through it and apologized to each other and you know i think it was all part of the process of making this album that's so special
1: yeah i mean that's one of those things that, you know it's a fun story after the fact because the album turned out so well if it had tanked and been a disaster then you could you know harbor ill will But, uh, you know, you guys certainly hit it out of the park with that. And, and, and Neil, I want to thank you again. You're coming to uh, Mr. Smalls in Millville just outside of Pittsburgh on the 20th. And we're looking very much forward to seeing you when you get into town, man.
0: Oh, man, I'm looking forward to being there. All
1: right. Thank you so much, Neil. I really really appreciate your time today.
0: Thank you, John. God bless you, man.
1: All right. A big thank you to Neil Morris. Again, they will be at Mr. Smalls uh, on the 20th of August. That's coming up very, very soon. So you want to check that out if you're into the prog rock excellence. Uh, Also important to note um, that Mike Portnoy will be with them on that tour stop in Pittsburgh. So even if you don't know much about the Neil Morris band, I'm sure you know the drumming of of him. So check that out. We're going to turn our attention now to a band out of Dover, Delaware. Uh, We're going to talk to Vincent Torres of the band Awake at Last. Awake at Last, a relatively young up-and-coming band. Are really kind of doing everything on their own uh, which is kind of interesting we get into that topic of discussion they will be coming to the Diesel Lounge uh, on the 24th of September in Pittsburgh uh, you can visit their website Awake at awakeatlastrock.com they're doing a lot of shows in the uh, Pennsylvania East Coast area they're doing shows in Youngstown, Georgia Mississippi, Tennessee really if you're anywhere kind of east of pennsylvania a good chance to see this band so let's get into a little bit of their music and then we're going to talk to vincent torres of awake at last Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to the show from the band Awake At Last. We have vocalist Vincent Torres on the line. How are you doing, Vincent?
3: I'm doing really well, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for taking the time. Um, you guys have a fantastic EP out, uh, Life, Death, Rebirth. I uh, had a chance to listen to it, um, and I wanted to get you guys on. You're doing a bunch of shows. You are coming to uh, Pittsburgh at the end of September, so perfect time to get you on the show. Uh, can you talk a little bit about you know, when I listen to your music, very positive messages, is that an intentional thing for you guys?
3: Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, we, um, we, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of artists out there who, uh, who don't necessarily put out positive messages, and I think that, I think that we're overdue for some more positivity in, in these dark times that we, don't, you know, Seems
1: to be going on seems to be a lot of chaos these days yeah yeah every day it does seem to be getting worse in that arena lately um yeah seriously you know I, i'll admit you know when i see something that comes across my desk that says emo band i you know the first thing that comes to my mind doesn't scream you know these guys are going to be singing kind of uplifting messages so it did kind of take me back um take me back though you guys are from um am i correct dover delaware or in the I delaware area
3: we are from uh, the band is located in Dover, Delaware. Uh, we do uh, one of our band members, uh, my guitar player, Imran. He lives in Staten Island, New York. So okay. we have a like a home base in both areas.
1: Okay, what was the, the music scene like, you know, in Dover? I mean, that's not one you hear about. I think you might be the first guest I remember on this show uh, from Delaware.
3: Yeah, the Delaware music scene back in like the MySpace era, as I like to call it. Was actually pretty thriving. There was a lot of cool all-ages shows that were going on, and a lot of the kids were coming out and stuff. And then when we hit that like musical slump in like 2008, all the way through till about 2016, it just seemed like all these venues just couldn't keep the doors open anymore. Like the kids just stopped going to shows, mm-hmm. and they weren't really having much going on. And you know, we were one of the first bands. Now we we started. We sparked up a couple of other bands in the area that are kind of like starting to you know get their bearings and come a little bit up further, but. It did take a while for us to actually get, like, you know, a, a bit of a, a buzz going at our home base. But because the scene in Delaware has been, has been kind of rough, that's, I think, why we, we took to the road as quick as we did. Yeah. Because Delaware is still within four hours of, you know, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Richmond, Virginia, you know, New York City. So we had this this great little ch- East post that we can sort of like tag into and start, sort of try to like ripple in through those markets so that we could become more of like a regional kind of vibe mm-hmm. with Delaware sort of being the centerpiece there you know now granted I love our, our hometown fans and when we do shows at home it's great everyone comes out with all it's like a big family reunion but you know we are on the road I think more than we're, we're in Delaware
1: yeah maybe. I can certainly understand it's interesting <laughs> to hear I mean because I, I know you know from learning about your band you guys aren't that old um but the vi- the way you're describing your band and the way you're working your bands is so reminiscent of what bands did in the 70s where they would just continue to hit you know pick a city and hit it and then come back and hit it and hit it again and hit it again um and you guys absolutely man you know for for young men absolutely. you're working your rear ends off um what um, how you know as a young band you've got now this is your 30p, if I'm not mistaken um how do you how is it you know without you know you're not in the era of major record label support anymore um how how much how do you go about getting the band promoted i guess is, is i guess the million dollar question for, for a band of your era
3: um
0: <clears throat>
3: that's a really good question um we basically all right so we do we work a lot we we do tour a lot and you know and it's funny that you say that we're reminiscent of the bands from the 70s because I think that's kind of what we kind of based it on when we Mm -hmm. wanted to do it Um, we honestly we we live in an era where like you know a lot of bands you know with the internet and with all the digital ability the DIY movement thing that's going on right now like even if it's an unsigned independent band we were able to like get on billboard charts by making sales
0: through one-on-one
3: Right. Interactions with our with our with our with our fan base with our people, you know what I mean. So um, a lot of the promotion really does kind of start there, unfortunately, because you know so many people are so stuck up in their screens these days, and that's something I try to like. I try to, to promote against. You know, when we're at shows, you know, sometimes right. the kids will bust out their phones. And I get that, you know, but at the same time, it's like this is the time to not be on your screen and just kind of let loose and have like some human interactions. So it's a mixture of like finding those areas that we tagged in and you know and we've been blessed to like, you know, mix fans and the friends that we have throughout touring to like have them bring their friends out more and more. Like you said, like hitting those markets over and over again, it does start to kind of ripple out and more people Mm -hmm. start to hear you and then you get to build these great like sort of intimate connections with them. But a lot of it really does start, you know, I mean unfortunately there is like a big social media You know, vibe behind it. It's almost like running a social media business if you think about it in a lot of ways. So a lot of the promotion really has to come from that. It comes from like making sure you're posting stuff, making sure that your people are getting the posts that you're, that you're putting out there, you know, and letting them know because the people who love your project will support it. But you know, sometimes, you know, things can get lost in algorithms. So we just, we just always try to like maintain the connections that we make when we travel to different markets. And of course, when we meet, when we get to new markets, we always try to like, make as many friends as we can because that's where it all kind of starts you know everyone needs like we try to just bring everybody together you know like sometimes we'll play out and there'll be like you know competitive bands or you know the big kinds of bands that just like show up play and we leave and it's just kind of like come on man like you can't expect the team to support you if you support the team so we always try to like stay active in that and you know and we, we do a lot of promotion online you know obviously through facebook instagram et cetera. Et cetera. and that's i think how we've been able to kind of tour out you know and <laughs> Just finding the venues, and then, and I think the biggest part of it is finding the right bands to play with in these markets who are also trying to do it. You know, and making those connections so that everybody grows.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think you, you brought up a really interesting point when you said the, what algorithm. Um, you know, as a young band, you know, you've got you know seventeen, eighteen thousand Facebook uh, fans, and I think a, a lot of people are under the misconception that if you post something, that eighteen thousand people are going to see that. And you know, unfortunately, we're all kind of working in Mark Zuckerberg's world. And you know, you'd be happy if a third of the people see that. And and that's a you're right. That's a you're
3: definitely right, man. I wish, Mm -hmm. I wish that all eighteen would just see everything we posted. But you know, that's why when you go to the certain markets, and you know, if you if you can learn to use Facebook advertising, you know, even if you can if you can invest a little bit know which areas you're targeting. If you're going to be in the New York area, mm-hmm. hit that mark. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I definitely it, it's a little, I think that's why I think a lot of uh, Instagram and Twitter is really on the rise right now too because yeah. I don't think they have as many restrictions on who sees what. When you post something, if you got 50,000 Twitter followers, every single one of them will see it. You know, So I think yeah. that's where a lot of the like, fan interaction comes in. So we try to interact with our fans through those social media outlets mm-hmm. and use Facebook as mainly like um, you know, our news news feed source, sort of, you know, like yeah. all the big things are going to get posted there, but most of our, like, personalities are on the other
1: one. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, I think certainly a certain generation seems to be gravitating toward the Instagrams of the world. Um, and, and I do wonder if that isn't somewhat why, because it, it is you've almost got to have, you know, and I'm sure you probably have somebody in your band who is like, you know, the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram guru, who has to figure all that out. Um, and, and it's funny how many musicians I talk to, you know, that aren't you know, maybe on a major label on a Sony or, or a, somebody who really almost have to have somebody in the band who is in charge of that, you know, and that's, uh, that's fascinating stuff. Um, as far as a live show, um, are you, you guys are doing a show at Diesel in Pittsburgh, I see. Um, are you guys doing like a headline show right now, or, or are you splitting the bill with some other bands?
3: That's um, in September, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I think, uh, well, we're going out on tour with a band called Lever, which yes. is another pretty up-and-coming, like, hard rock band. They got a really bad, you know, really awesome chick singer. I was going to say badass, but I didn't know if I was allowed to cut. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I said it anyway. That's so, you know, right. she's, she's got some pipes, and they're a great band. So I'm not sure if it's their headlining run and if we're support or not, but they are going to be in a lot of our scenes. So I'm hoping that a lot of our people will come out and support, you know, their project and ours. And, you know, I hope that it can be, like, a, a conclusive or cohesive kind of unit where we can, like, share the fans, you know, and I, so I'm not sure if we're headlining those ones. I think we might be support for that one.
1: Yeah, now, uh, are you finding, uh, you know, as you make these kind of loops, I noticed with your tour dates, you're kind of just looping around, you know, through Ohio, Michigan, in, you know, Western Pennsylvania, is, do you plan to do West Coast Swings? Have you done West Coast Swings yet, or is that still sort of, you've got to get up the momentum and the money to make it out that We
3: yet yeah, That's pretty much basically what's going on. Now, recently, um, I think I want to say sometime last year or maybe like early this year, I can't necessarily remember right now, we did do a West Coast tour and we are actually on a tour called the Epic Proportions Tour where... Um, it was a great program because uh, we played for, like, high schools, military bases, and colleges. Mm-hmm. So we got a chance to, like, really connect with that, like, demographic of fans on the West Coast. And a lot of them are still pretty active online and stuff, but you're 100% right. Like, we do these loops, and we try to, like, we're trying to build these markets up so that when we do, like, go south and then start swinging over to the West Coast, we have, like, you know, solid shows we can do along the way to make sure that we don't end up, like... Because on those, like, 14, 15-hour drives in Texas, you know what I mean? Like, that's going to be gas and this and that, so we're trying to make sure that we capitalize on all those areas as we're moving over there, but we are planning to go over there by next year. I'm hoping we can do a nationwide tour, like, for sure. Like, we want to do, like, the whole country if we can.
1: Yeah. and That's awesome. Now, do you guys... As far as Rob, you mentioned being independent. Do you, do you have aspirations of you know maybe having a label pick it up for distribution or is it do you think that's even advocat- advocations or advantageous I'm sorry for a band at this point or is it necessary to get a major label involved or is is the DIY almost more profitable because you're able to keep a bigger piece of the pie
3: um that is a very Th- that I think everyone sort of has different kind of views in the band on whether or not we want to go that, which is why if, if ever an opportunity arose, we would obviously like heavily discuss it because you know by doing the DIY thing as well as we have, we have been able to kind of make some moves and like mm-hmm. have been able to, to to get you know almost you know almost label level or label level promotions and stuff like that, but um. I don't know. I don't know. I feel I if the right, if the right deal came up, maybe. But if we, if, if there's something, if they bring something to the table that we don't necessarily like need or something that we can do ourselves, that's what like yeah. learning the industry as we, cause you know, we're not just the musicians in the band. We've all had to learn different jobs in the industry that we've been kind of doing. Yep. So, you know, I, I definitely think that there is the, 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 the clicky mentality could be nice. You know, the, sometimes, having a label on your name gets you bigger opportunities, for instance, bigger tours, you know, being able to go out with the bigger bands that are on those labels, stuff like that, so there's always going to be an advantage to it, obviously, but um, at the same time, like, I do think that we are kind of in an era where, like, a lot of bands can kind of just band together and kind of just do it ourselves, sort of, but I don't know. I think, I think the answer to that question would have to be if the right deal came up right. and we knew that it was like something that was really going to push us in a direction. Cause the most important thing is getting the message out there. You know, we want to make sure that we're trying to like inspire, you know, our fan base and our, and our, and the people who listen to us cause, you know, we've all dealt with, you know, anxiety, depression, all that stuff like that. And like, I really try to, you know, like you said, a Nemo band that has a positive message. I try to like spread the positive message, but I, but we keep the music kind of dark and heavy and kind of like, to sort of represent the obstacle of, you know, that mm-hmm. those more darker elements, but I try to keep the word kind of gliding on top of everything, because, like, it always, you know, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people struggle with those types of things, and there's always, you know, there's always the end point where things do get better, and I, I, try, to, I try to, you know, really promote that and stuff. So, if, if we could get the message out there on a much larger scale, obviously, that'd be amazing, but yeah. at the same time, like, until the right Label comes around, or until you know the pieces really line up. I, I I could see us doing this by ourselves for a while longer.
1: Yeah, Vincent, I can't tell you how many artists, you know, if you speak to them off the record, still owe money to their record company for hits they had years ago. So you know, don't be in a, in a hurry to sign up with, with you know a, the bank. Is is you know I think a lot of people think our labels is, is more of their glorified banks anymore. So um right, I I, I want to thank you for the time again. You're going to be doing a show uh, at diesel in pittsburgh on the 24th with lee Earth uh you've also got shows in many different areas around western pennsylvania as i mentioned at the top of the interview i want to wish you guys all the best and we'll see you when you get into town next month
3: all right thank you so much man i had a great time
1: all right take care bud okay a big thank you to vincent Torres. again they will be at diesel in september so you can check out awake at last for all the information on them We're going to turn our attention now to a band that uh, actually I was probably a little bit too young to remember in their uh, original form, a band called Dead Boys out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, We're going to talk to Cheetah Chrome. They will be re-releasing, I want to say re-releasing, they're going to be releasing a re-recording of their debut album here in September, so really a cool chance to talk to him about um, you know kind of the days of punk rock here in the United States. Uh, talking about a band other than the Misfits and the Ramones, which I think a lot of you know our audience is interested in and, and I'm familiar with. So, this is a, a band that was a little maybe off my radar, uh, but it's got some really cool music. So, we're going to play a track, kind of their uh, big song. This is called "Sonic Reducer." Uh, this is Dead Boys, and then we'll get into that interview with Cheetah Chrome. <laughs> Cheetah Chrome, how you doing, Cheetah? Good, man. How you doing? Doing very, very well. Um, We are here on the eve of a re-recording of kind of your seminal album, Young, Loud, and Snotty, uh, which came out, I believe, forty years ago. Um, So we wanted to, you know, get you on. You're you're a Cleveland guy. We're in Pittsburgh, Um, so certainly, I'm sure the band's got plenty of uh, been been through our area plenty of times. Oh Um, yeah,
2: the Iron City gave it away.
1: Yeah. Not too hard to figure out. Um can we talk a little bit about um you know your thoughts, you know looking back before we get into the 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 new album but 40 years ago um you know a band going into Electric Lady and, and recording that album can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you?
2: Well, it was a you know a little daunting of, uh... None of us had ever been in a recording studio before. I mean, I'd been in one, but I'd never recorded anything. You know you' got seen it, you know <laughs> uh, this was the first time we actually went in and plugged in. Um, you know we were coming down the stairs we were loading in, and one of the first people I saw was Peter Frampton. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> they there
2: talking to Michael Lang, the guy that put on Woodstock, <laughs> and Michael Lang. they finished their conversation and Peter. Prampton's kind of looked at me in horror and I growled at him and he ran up the stairs. <laughs> so that was a good start.
1: <laughs> yeah. That means but, you're um, doing it right.
2: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, next thing you know, we went in and we were, you know, in the thick of it, uh, didn't know what to do. Uh, Kenya, you know, was a pretty good person to be in there with cause she guided us through it and, you know, got us comfortable and, um, you know, we managed to do it. <laughs> you know, we were supposed to, it was supposed to be a demo. And right. so, you know, we were supposed to come back in and we record the whole thing again. Uh, so when we went in there, it was, you know, we did it a little bit looser than we, you know, thought, you know, was proper. But, you know, we were happy with it. And...
1: Well, let me ask you about that point. I mean, in, in the style of music you're doing, obviously, you know, just old school punk music. Uh, does that looseness, do you think, help it in the long run as opposed to going in and trying to make it, you know, note perfect, you know, everything spot on?
2: Well, some of it was unavoidable because we weren't that tight. But, you know, um, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, the looseness, you know, keeps it there. You know, it gets the feel more, you know, being tight. You know, the closer you stick to your original instincts, the better off you are, I've found over the years. The more you think, overthink something, it takes more away each time, you know?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you certainly hear a, a rawness in the record. I mean, you can't necessarily compare it to what's called punk today because that's just a whole different animal. No. But um, you know, I think the aggression on that album comes through so well. Uh, one of the things that that kind of, you know, when I go back and listen to this album, you know, kind of in, in a critical thinking mode, there's a lot of lead guitar playing on this album, you know, compared to, you know, maybe what you heard on a Sex Pistols or Ramones album. Was that Kind of Was that unusual at the time? I mean, can you kind of put us in that headspace in 1977? Were you unique in that, being a lead guitarist in a punk band?
2: Well, not really, because, I mean, you know, like our... You know, we were very, very influenced by raw power. Mm-hmm. You know, the album, and there's lead just all over everything on that, you know? And so we saw that as being normal, <laughs> you know? Okay. Um, it was... Uh, you know, we hadn't really developed or learned about technique or self-control or any of those kind of things right. yet, you know? Um, that came later. I mean, uh, you know, probably had we gone in and re-recorded it like we were supposed to, some of that would have been gone, you know? Right. Um, live, it all kind of kind of went by the wayside eventually because the more we played, we realized it didn't need to be there. It took away from this. It walked on the vocal. You know, yada yada, whatever. You know, we just learned over the years. But you know, at the time, like I said, we've never been in a recording studio before, and we didn't know. You know, we hadn't learned yet.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I I know what I'm. That's like the Ross
2: band probably ever walked into a studio, and we had no clue.
1: How long uh, had you guys been playing together at that point?
2: We've been playing together since probably september of
1: 1975
2: okay and we went in to and then you know we did like three gigs and broke up again and didn't play again until probably the same period probably till the beginning of the summer of uh, 76 so by the time we went into you know, Electric Lady, we'd been playing probably from, um, like, July of 76 till February of okay. 77, you know?
1: And were all the songs, had you played all these songs live prior to going to the studio, or, or did you work out some in the studio?
2: Um, no, we have been playing it live. Um, we had been playing CBGBs pretty regularly and doing, you know... Some gigs in Ohio and some gigs in Boston and places like that. But then um when we got to uh when we got to Electric Lady, um, you know, there was no pre production or anything. You know, it was like mm-hmm. pretty much she met us. We went in the studio and we went in just like uh just like it was a gig. Right. You know, it wasn't all. You know, most bands. You know, the producer sits down with them. They rehearse it for a week or so, and the producer's the one that kind of trims the fat. You know, right? Says this doesn't belong there. Don't play that. You know, that sort of thing. We had right. none of that.
1: We just record and go.
2: Yeah, we would just hit record and play, and you know, if it was it sounded good, we kept it.
1: So, <laughs> t- take us take us forty years into the future now. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously, untimely passing of Stiv uh, back in the early '90s kind of made made it you know, a little bit different this time around. But how did you approach this album? You know, you and Johnny Blitz, you know, when you decided well, to redo this.
2: Well, we approached it from the idea of uh, we weren't trying to change it. You know, it was just kind of. Um, you know, like, I was never happy with my guitar sound on that record. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't like the amp I had. Um, we didn't bother going and running my running me something else because it was a demo, you know? Right. And um, so, you know, I was told, oh, don't worry, don't be able to use, you know, we'll get you some Marshalls for when you re-record it, and blah, blah, blah. And that never happened because when the, you know, he used use the demo to get us the the deal with Sire and uh, Sire, you know, liked the record as it was and said, you know, we can, you know, put it out like this. We don't need to go back in and re-record it. And I don't know if that was a decision that was made because they were too cheap to pay for re-recording it or what. But, you know, um, in hindsight, and I mean, I I realized this very shortly afterwards, they made a good decision. You know, it was a good record. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't what, I'd heard in my head all, you know, when I was doing those songs, what I imagined my record to sound like, but it was a good record. And it was a fair representation of the band. Um, so we went in this time with the idea of getting the guitar sound. I would have wanted back then, um, of, uh, you know, Johnny had different things. He wanted to try to just a touch differently, you know, um, you know, some parts we left off, like Hey Little Girl isn't on it, you know, that never that wouldn't wasn't our idea. Was they wanted to flesh out the record with uh another song and they happened to have that live version sitting around that we'd recorded for the live at CBGB's record and they stuck that on there, you know? Right. Um it was the only reason we had thrown Hey Little Girl on the set was to, you know, fill out the set we hadn't written enough songs yet. Right. But I, I hated that song. I did not want to do that song, you know. <laughs> but we, you know, but so but I got stuck playing it every night for <laughs> years.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know? you're, you're saddled with the song that you didn't want because. So you it one of the songs, one, one
2: of the things was, uh, you know, okay, well, we're not doing Old Girl this time, you know. And we discussed it. there was other songs that we had much rather would have wanted to do if we were doing cover versions. We did like yesterday's numbers by The Flame and Groovy. We did a hell of a version of that. Oh, uh, we did a great version of Death uh, May Be Your Santa Claus on Mata Hupo. Um That would have been more in tune with our thinking, you know? Right. Um, hey Little Girl was having to be really easy, and we were, you know, able to throw it out there. But um, that was the one that got recorded <laughs> for the live at CBGB's, um, and so we ended up stuck with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's so we funny thought about the... recording
2: one of those, and then we thought, well, no, because we never did it with the other guys, and it wouldn't be fair to re-record that using the new guys because uh, it wasn't supposed to be anything the old guys, the original band, hadn't done. You know, like I said, we weren't trying to redo or outdo the original. We were trying to just give a different imagining of how it could have sounded.
1: Okay. So the the you would say that the the, the new recording is more what you had envisioned in 1976. I think, you know,
2: yeah. I mean, I think uh, that was probably, if we would have gone back in the studio and recorded the record uh, with the sound we wanted, the sound we heard in our heads, this is probably close to what it would have been.
1: Okay. So that, oh, that, but that's you know,
2: cool. it, it's just different. It's not better. You know, it's just just something else. It's just something there to to special for the anniversary. It's nothing. You know, we're not making any statement about the original recording. It's just you know something but to he, do to to celebrate it. You know. Yeah,
1: and it's it's interesting to hear you say that because a lot of times when you hear bands, you know, different bands going back and redoing their album, you know, you know the one with the hits or, or whatever you want to call it they end up trying to make it sound exactly the same so that it could be used in some sort of other medium without having to pay royalties to the original record company. Um, so right. Is, you know, certainly a different approach, you know, and probably a little more uh, interesting as opposed to just trying to make an album that sounded like, you know, the original, you know, but with a, you know, so Sire doesn't have his hooks in it anymore. Well, uh, they
2: don't have the hooks in it because, I mean, they only own the original recordings. So they don't own these.
1: Right, right. Right. Yeah. And in, but, the, you know, in the days it's
2: um yeah, but this has you know. changed a lot since then, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. When it comes to, you know, getting a, video games and T V commercials to use your music. Um Right. Well that's where
2: they've got a choice. They can choose their version, you know?
1: Right. Now um you're I don't give a because the, the publishing
2: all comes to me either way, you know.
1: <laughs> the win win for you. Um you guys um, are going to be doing some live shows. I don't believe any in Pittsburgh, at least none in the initial dates, but um, can you talk a little bit about well, what um what's know, live? you know,
2: last time we were in Pittsburgh, um, my guitar player and my road, roadie got attacked by some bikers outside the club after the show. So Pittsburgh's kind of off the map for right now for us. Oh, no, um, no, no, no. You, know, no. First, you didn't hear about that?
1: No, I, I did not catch that one.
2: Yeah, there was uh there was a, a big incident where my guitar player got hit with a board upside the head and got a concussion and for some several gigs in jeopardy um and it was, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into a whole lot of details, but it was sure. a fairly well-known bike group that did it that uh we don't want to get a war going with.
1: Certainly. I and So I we understand. just figured
2: it's uh easier to just uh stay away from Pittsburgh. That's what the problem is.
1: Right. Um, uh, safe to assume you'll be doing a show in Cleveland?
2: Yeah, which ain't that okay, far so from Pittsburgh, so people can drive there. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, I would say we, people have driven less less distance for for you know shows. Yep. At many, we're, many doing we're doing Harrisburg.
2: We're doing Cleveland. You know, we're probably gonna do Youngstown at some point. You know, but, uh, there's
1: Perfect. opportunities,
2: okay. but you know, Pittsburgh is just kind of off the. Everybody's a little hinky about going back to. Pittsburgh anytime soon. It was it was nasty. I mean, I was there and saw everything that went down, and it was it wasn't good.
1: No. Okay. Well, uh, the new album I I call it new with quotation marks. I guess still snotty, young, loud, and snotty. Um, Will be out September eighth on uh, Plowboy Records, and uh, you know we look forward to seeing you guys out on the road and. For those listening that want to check it out, obviously you can drive short distance and get to some of the good gigs. And uh, Cheetah, I want to thank you for your time today, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'd we're, we're, you know we love to come back to Pittsburgh. I, I love playing there, you know. Um, Spent a lot of time there. I think it's a great great city, but the last time we were there, it wasn't, wasn't pretty. And I don't, you know, until, everything, until I'm sure everything's smoothed over, I want to make sure, you know, I just want to make sure everybody in the band's safe and it's, it's good, you know?
1: Absolutely. can certainly understand it. Well, thank you for your time today, man.
2: Hey, man, thank you for having
1: me. All right, it's been a pleasure. All right, that about wraps up this episode of Iron City Rocks. We want to thank you all for joining us. We want to thank also Neil Morris, uh, Vincent Torres of Awake at Last, and Cheetah Chrome of Dead Boys for coming on the show. As we promised at the top of the show, sort of a mixed bag of uh, punk and prog, which uh, you don't see too often, so I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can check us out at ironcityrocks.com. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter are all forward slash Iron City Rocks. You can also drop us a line at IronCityRocks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So, till next time, we want to thank you so much for listening.